and welcome to the Invisible to Invincible podcast by me, Rebecca Allen. You can find me on literally every social media at Rebecca Allen with four A's in between. I am literally so nervous right now. I have started this podcast, I don't know, five or six times already because I just feel so unconfident about what I'm saying. This is a new journey for me starting a podcast and I'm usually quite good at starting new things and being kind of bold with it. Uh, but this is sort of, it's pushing the boat out even for me. So I'm sorry about my nervousness. So why am I starting a podcast? Well, I have made a huge U-turn in my life, sort of 80, over the last 18 months, made a big change, made big changes, lots of big changes, and gone from feeling invisible, like no one could see me at all, like I didn't matter, like my life literally had no meaning, to now where I feel so empowered in who I am and so empowered with everything that I produce and say and my confidence and and as well I I feel like I'm willing to learn I'm willing to accept different things from different situations I just feel like a completely different person to who I was before any of this happened so I wanted to share that with you guys because I feel like I've done that so far in writing on my social media and my stories and things like that Whereas a podcast seems like a new and exciting way to get my message across. And I had never listened to podcasts until literally two weeks ago when this idea came into my head about doing a podcast. I've got sort of 8,000 followers now, 8,500. And I thought, okay, maybe I could maybe I could pop a podcast out there. I feel, I feel like I'm brave enough now. You, by the way, don't need any followers to start a podcast. You can start a podcast if you were anyone, you know, you don't have to have followers. But for me, I needed, I wanted to have that confidence knowing that there was a, there would be an audience that might be interested. That's you guys. Hey, hey. I am sat here with a fan behind my microphone with tights wrapped around it to act as a pop filter. It's supposed to bounce the sound off soft, soft furnishings. So it looks kind of crazy right now, but it has not stopped the crying baby next door. So I've had to wait kind of 10 minutes for that to calm down, but we're all good now. Anyway, I think we should start my story from the beginning. It is a health journey, really. That's, I think, what's been the revelation for me is the health aspect. And that's what's important to me overall is my health. My mantra in life is happy, healthy, successful, wealthy. That is my mantra. I don't think I've actually shared that yet. So, hey, this is the podcast secrets right now. Happiness being priority, then health. And that's kind of controversial, but I have learned this through my, my journey. So it started in January 2018, about to go very TMI here if you're not a fan of health or blood or any discussions on female anything, then just click off now because this is not for you. (laughs) That's your trigger warning, okay? I'm not going to say it again. January 2018, I first went to, uh, first got diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome. I had been bleeding at that point, I think, for 15 months straight. I was on the implant. It's called Nexplanon. And they thought, um, so they did some scans and they found that I had polycystic ovaries. It's a hormone condition. So that one is supposedly doesn't actually cause pain. I do disagree with that, but it supposedly doesn't cause pain. But it, it does massively affect your hormones. So I have higher testosterone, um, my, I always have mood swings, I have hair growth on my face and chin, I mean serious hair growth, I mean black hairs that I have to shave every two days, you would not even believe me unless you saw it, it's ridiculous, I don't even know how they grow fast, they grow so fast, it's just, it's unbelievable, yeah, and there's, it has a huge range of other hormone related issues, it means that 
the experiences that I have on a regular cycle, menstrual cycle, are literally ten times what a person with with without the condition would have. Like it's, it's everything's completely heightened. All your experiences are completely heightened. Um, mood swings, pains, cramps, sweating, everything. And I'd love to go into more detail on that on another podcast. They first scanned me thinking maybe there's an issue that we is why she's bleeding so much. And they said, oh, maybe you've got mild endometriosis. I didn't actually get formally diagnosed with endometriosis until this year, 2020. 2020, no one says 2020, do they? Endometriosis is slightly different in that that is completely pain related. And I have very much definitely got that. And I've been in hospital several times as a result of that, been to A&E several times as a result of emergency cysts. But again, another time, another time. Anyway, they said, okay, you've got polycystic ovarian syndrome. What won't be helping is the um, your, your implant. Let's get that out. So I think it took me a few months to be able to actually get that booked to get out. And I did get it booked out. And they ran um, some more tests. And the guy said, the doctor, the guy I went to see, said, Rebecca, you've, your body's been having a chemical reaction to your implant. It's been treating it as a foreign body. And in fact, your immune system has been shut down for, I think I'd had the implant for maybe two, two and a half years, but I'd only been, I'd been bleeding for 15 months. Yeah, so my immune system had been shut down because it was fighting the implant. It was fighting itself, thinking it was a harmful substance. And I had been having literally cold after cold after cold after cold. I'd, I worked outdoors, so I think... I put everything down to the conditions. I like. I worked outdoors all the time. I was always walking. I think I walked twenty five thousand steps a day. I was um, a part. I worked for a dog rehoming charity. I did loads of dog walking and stuff. So I thought my health issues were down to that. And I was like, oh, it's just the job I'm in. And then I started bleeding after sex. I'd stopped bleeding the fifteen months thing after my implant was out, and I was off contraception completely at this point which, by the way, is one of the best things I've ever done. And if you're a woman considering it, I highly, highly, highly recommend it. I use an app called Natural Cycles. Uh, I have a discount code for it. Please message me, Um, which is brilliant. And again, I could do another podcast on that. So, yeah, I started bleeding after sex and I thought, oh, God, here we go again. What's wrong now? I didn't actually think anything of it. I literally thought, oh, I'm sure this is normal. It's really, really not normal. If it's happening to you, it's really, really not normal. Please go and get checked out. I went to the doctors and we did loads of tests and they sort of said, oh, yeah, there's some cells growing on there. They're usually not harmful. We can get them lasered off sort of thing. No props, no props. I then had all my endometriosis symptoms started kicking off and I was in a lot of pain. I had a lot of like random discharge and stuff. Sorry, that's gross. I did warn you. Then it was like the January 2019. They started doing some proper investigations. They were starting to get a bit concerned about what was going on. And I had seven surgeries in the end. And one of which was a diagnostic laparoscopy where they found um, sort of tumours basically on my cervix. And whereas stuff from the original investigations had seen cells there, they hadn't seen ones that big. So it was very much a, you know, I had lots of biopsies taken and stuff. It was very much a ring me, ring me same day, sort of, you need to come in now sort of thing, which was terrifying and horrible. And the surgeries I had were any surgeries you have sort of on the womb and on your cervix and everything to do with women's reproductive system affect your hormones and I obviously already have that hormone condition and endometriosis I also have which I found out at the time a prolapsed uterus 
and a retroverted uterus. So it means it's heart-shaped, which just adds to complications in a reproduction point of view. Um, or oh, it's tilted as well, so it leans towards my back, causes more pain on my spinal nerve, and tries to fall out all the time, <laughs> which is lovely. And that is partly as a result of my surgeries as well, unfortunately, which again, is not very often, it doesn't happen very often. Um, it was sort of a rarity, and I don't want you to be put off that if you are looking at getting the surgery. So yeah, it was a bit of a traumatic time. And every time I'd had these surgeries, I had to wait six weeks to recover. So at the time, I'd been going to the gym sort of three or four times a week. I wasn't really that focused on the gym, but it was a really nice release for me. I had obviously the job, I was walking a lot anyway. And I had a partner at the time, I obviously couldn't be intimate with him, which was very frustrating for me in particular, because I'm like, all this testosterone does stuff to your sex drive, I'm telling you now, if you're a man, you probably know, I get that, because I have man's hormones. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, I did quite a few YouTube videos on it, if you want to see me being a complete and utter mess, crying my eyes out, literally, it was a very, very traumatic period of time for me, and they there was talk of them taking my whole uterus out, and, you know, that, I'm extremely, extremely maternal, like, honestly, probably the most maternal early 20-something-year-old you've ever met, I've, I've always wanted kids, I want kids so badly, it hurts, so hearing that they wanted to take my whole womb out was very, it was a, it was a real sort of, I can't explain, like, it, it breaks your heart, to be honest, and I still feel quite emotional about it now, because I still, my chances of actually conceiving naturally now are about 1%, so it's not ideal, that 1% I'm clinging on to, and I think I've really come to terms with adopting, um, when it comes to it, even if I'm on my own, I don't have to be in a relationship, nobody does, you don't have to be in a relationship to have a child, like, end of story, I'm not going to argue with you on that, <laughs> Ooh. then those surgeries and that period of my life was extremely stressful I'd also lost my dog um I know it sounds minor but it was the most difficult thing I've ever gone through in my life and I've been through a hell of a lot of things prior to 2019 I've had a lot of trauma an extreme amount of trauma um which maybe I'll go into but it's not for now <laughs> And to be honest, 2000, the things that actually happened on paper in 2019 weren't as bad as what had happened previously on paper, but it's the effects they have, you know? Everybody experiences different traumas in a different way, and that was me experiencing this trauma of being faced with cancer, of being faced with not losing your, your chance to have children and everything like that. It was It was quite traumatic for me, and losing my dog prior to that had literally I'd never felt suicidal to the point where I did but I was that was the one time I've tried to kill myself and I've had lots of lows I've had clinical depression before and never ever attempted anything but after my dog died and my relationship had been beginning to break down prior to that anyway it was just an extremely difficult period of my life to be honest and I've never felt as low as I did then and the good thing is that I look back now when I'm feeling low and I think I'm not as low as that. I will never be low as, as low as that. I, I fucking pray I won't because that was extreme. My diagnostic laparoscopy, I, I had a funny reaction to the anaesthetic. So you're supposed to go home the same day and recover at home for a couple of weeks. I came out of surgery 
under the anaesthetic and it took ages to come round for the anaesthetic so they were a bit concerned. I then started, when I woke up, I was hallucinating and I thought I could see a bug. There is some funny videos of this, of me following this bug around a room. And this continued for the next, I think, 12 hours and they couldn't send me home because I couldn't move my entire body. I literally was paralysed. I couldn't even go to the toilet. Um, it was, it, yeah, it was vile. Yeah, I was hallucinating and talking rubbish and I just couldn't, I just couldn't shake it off. My body is extremely receptive to any chemicals I put in it. This is why I've never done drugs. It would just be extremely dangerous for me. Like, it's just not worth it. <laughs> yeah, so I came out and then when I, my body began to come around and it literally did it bit by bit. So like, I, I my lips started twitching, my nose started twitching. My, it was so funny. Like, okay, obviously not, but it felt funny to me and I had highs and lows as if I was on drugs. So I was like, one minute I'd be crying my eyes out, next minute I'd be laughing uncontrollably. And they were all, the doctors were all baffled. I literally had a group of them around me stood staring like, what is going on? And then I came out of the surgery and went home. And unfortunately, I lost my memory. So I had, for the next six weeks, uh, amnesia to the point where I couldn't remember my personality, I couldn't remember previous dates I'd been on with my partner at the time, he'd show me a picture of me in it, and I was like, who's that, it was just bizarre, and I now know what actually happened, and the cause of that memory problem, and I've actually spoken to quite a few doctors about it this year, because I've had some issues with it this year as well, I forgot my date of birth one time, which was fun, so I basically have this now, this ongoing um, memory problem, which I've just learn to live with and come to terms with and I know the name of it now and I understand it a lot more so I feel a lot better about that but at the time it was extremely frightening um not really knowing anything about yourself not being able to remember things that everybody else could remember that I should have been able to remember and that was just such a shock to the system really and that wasn't my last surgery so my last surgery was called the let's and that one can really really mess you up emotionally and create long-lasting damage and stuff. And I actually run a support group on Facebook now for that, which it feels good to be able to provide that support to women who've gone through it as well. Um, so that's something that's good that's come out of that. My last, Before my last surgery, I was really sort of thinking about life, and I decided to take a solo trip away to Scotland on my own, took my car, camped in my car, and travelled literally everywhere in Scotland. I mean, from Edinburgh to the Highlands, the Cairngorms, Isle of Skye, up to Culloden, Inverness. And I did slightly down the West Coast, but not as much as I would like to. That is still to come. And going travelling on my own, which is something I'd not really done before, was honestly a life-changing experience. And I came out of that Sorry, I can hear a helicopter. This is the problem with this whole podcasting lark is that I can't prevent the sounds that's going on outside. It's all good. It's gone. I figured out how to pause my recording. How exciting is that? We are all learning new things today. Anyway, I came back from Scotland and I was a changed woman. I'd had some absolutely wild experiences from a spiritual point of view. So before then, I'd sort of seen a bit of spirituality and thought, yeah, yeah, cool, interesting. But I actually had some real spiritual experiences in Scotland I met a shaman I did loads of healing work and stone circles and it was just very very magical and it changed my life coming back from that trip everything was different my whole world was different um, and then I had my last surgery and then after that I got my new dog 
after that last surgery, I, they, they took another biopsy to see if it was still cancerous. And I decided that if it came back and it was non-cancerous, and even if it didn't, I was still at that point ready to make a change. I was going to transform my life. I was going to turn things around and give my immune system, most of all, the opportunity to boost itself because it had been run down for two years. So a little bit of context about the cervical cancer is it's caused by HPV, which is a virus that is actually sexually transmitted amongst, and 88% of the population have it. That is a rough figure, okay, don't, I just read that on Google somewhere and it's stuck with me, so please don't be like, uh, actually it's, okay, it'll be different everywhere, but it's something along those lines, literally it's almost impossible not to have it. Um, pretty much everyone has it is what I'm trying to say but you it stays dormant in your body just like the shingles virus which is chickenpox related yeah it stays dormant in your body unless your immune system is really low which is what happened with me and because of my implant um for two years and that's why I got sick so I said that's it I'm going to boost my immune system I got the letter back and I cried. I was very emotional. And I've actually got a frame of it in my my this room, my spare room where I'm recording right now, which is equally sad and cute. I don't have visitors, so we're all good. Like, no one's going to see it, but you guys know about it now. But it's, it was a really proud achievement for me. I was like, yes. Um. So, actually, I think that's the second one. But, well, anyway, we'll get to that. So, I got the all clear. And they said, you come for a checkup in six months. Yeah, it's the six months letter I've got in here because it was an achievement rather than just a coincidence. So yeah, I got the all clear and I said, right, the first thing we're going to do is do a massive detox. Guys, I would not recommend this, okay? This is not a recommendation. And I'm going to do a chat on food and healing your relationship with food and all this diabolics in another podcast. In fact, maybe my next one, but not today's. Yeah, so I did a Jillian McKeith detox. Detoxes are great for your body. Um, not for your mind, okay? If you have gone from having a very additive saturated diet, so eating canned foods, eating packeted foods, I'm talking even cereals, okay? Cereal, bread, biscuits, chocolate, cake, canned anything will be packed with chemicals. And going from that to literally eating stuff straight out the ground, more or less, was a huge, like I was growing my own vegetables, was a huge, a huge hit to me emotionally. So people can be addicted to sugar. In fact, it's quite common. And I think a lot of people are addicted to sugar and probably don't know about it. I was one of these people and I still have battles with sugar. My relationship with sugar is complicated. So yeah, I did a detox. And what happens when you detox is you get the symptoms of literally of a drug withdrawal if you're going if you're cutting sugar out like that cold turkey guys don't do it seriously it messed me up so badly I have a five-year diary which is brilliant so I write every day what's happened and then I can look back at the the next when I get to the next year that same day I can look back and see what I've done and reading my experiences going through that detox was just (laughs) it's painful to read I was so low and I did videos on YouTube as well at the time before I got good at editing. I'm still not good at editing. Let's be real here. I wouldn't do a detox, guys. But when your body gets rid of all the chemicals, it gets rid of it through the skin. So I also got rid of chemical deodorant as well, which is, you know, there's lots of research on that being bad for you. I now just use coconut oil and bicarbonate of soda and occasionally an essential oil to make it smell nice and fresh. Tea tree is excellent. So your body starts producing the smells of the chemicals it's getting rid of. And this takes like 10 days to two weeks. And I kid you not, I woke up one day and I was like, oh my God, oh my God, has somebody died in here? Is, what's what's happened? Uh, and it was me. It was me that smelt like that. <laughs> 
because my body was getting rid of the chemicals. And I think it does say in the book that it's you are what you eat book that that does actually happen. Um, I did some research into it as well. But it was amazing actually to see that my body had done that, to see what chemicals I did have in my body. Anyway, after the two weeks, I was like, no, do you know what? This is too intense. I didn't know what I was intending to do, but I'm glad I did the detox anyway to sort of start me off. So I thought, right, let's let's bring a few things back in and take a few things back out. And I gradually, over a year, changed my diet. So from breakfast cereal, I switched that to oats. And I'd have both of them there and give myself the option of either or. And I think that is the way about dieting, if you like, in inverted commas. I hate that phrase. To give yourself the option and make the choice that you want to make. So I did a huge amount of reading into good foods and bad foods. And what's the, you know, I'm, to me, healthy is not putting chemicals in my system. I don't need to be skinny or have abs or, you know, anything like that to be healthy. That is not my definition of healthy. Healthy to me is having a healthy mind. It's having a healthy body by not putting chemicals in, by only having natural, you know, that's my definition of plant-based, I guess, is, is not having chemicals. I don't know if I've made that, made that clear enough about not having chemicals, but that's my thing. Polycystic ovaries can be directly influenced by food as well. So I cut out alcohol. I've now, yeah, I cut out alcohol, red meat, and actually white meat. Now I don't eat, when I'm at home, I don't eat meat at all. I just have fish, um, which is a meat. But in my head, I'm like, it's not a meat, but it is a meat. Um, only oily fish, though, because it's really good for you. And I don't eat gluten, I don't eat dairy. And I say this, right? I say this but I always give myself the option. I'm never going to say I absolutely will not ever eat that because I think restricting yourself is poisonous. I don't agree with it at all. I don't believe it's healthy for you. So I always have the option. I can go out and get a full McDonald's right now if I want to. No props. No props at all. Not going to feel guilty about it. Not going to be beating myself up. I'm like, okay, cool. That's fine. No problem. That's fine. That's what you're wanting right now. Um, But what I found over this sort of year and a half that I've been doing it is that my body knows what's good for it and it started to make healthier choices because I enjoy it more. I've become way more tuned in to what makes me feel good physically and what makes me feel bad uh, physically. So yeah, that's been, the food aspect has been fascinating. I do want to talk about that in my next podcast episode, I think. And then I started working out, I think shortly after I'd got the all clear and started my diet, my, my <laughs> new food program. shall we say um I use the sweat app which I still use I still love it I started off on bbg which was great but there was a lot of cardio in it and a lot of jumping and for somebody who has a prolapse which progressively got worse and gets better and gets worse and gets better it really it's it's a real difficult one to manage it jumping is not beneficial for it I can never trampoline again basically because my womb will just not have it it's just it'll just fall out (laughs) so gross but so true <laughs> skydiving is off the list oh no bungee jumping maybe skydiving i still have a chance bungee jumping is definitely off the list well never mind so i switched from bbg to I use power now pwr with kelsey wells which is mainly weight based so again i do have to still be quite careful with it but there's less jumping cardio i do walking now and people probably look at my account on instagram and think oh abs 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 you know but that's all she strives for sort of thing the abs were an accident, okay? I did not start working out because I wanted abs. I started working out because I wanted to be healthy. As I explained before, my immune system needed a boost and 
being fit and getting those endorphins running is all part of being healthy and that's why I started it and the abs literally came as a coincidence and they are now a huge factor of my Instagram account. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you, I get a huge amount of probably follows from my abs being on display a lot and that's, you know, that's great um, in terms of my Instagram building but I want to make it clear that it's not what I strive for. I'm happy, I was happy with my, the way my body looked before and I'm still happy with it now and my body fluctuates, I don't always have abs, sometimes I'm really bloated, sometimes I have, I have a binge eating problem as well, which I want to talk about next episode, which comes up every now and then, and my abs vanish for a while, and that's fine, so yeah, I did get abs as a result, if you didn't notice from my previous conversation, but it's not what I'm striving for, that was fitness, that was food, that was the big lifestyle changes, and then I started, well, it was all at the same time, I started documenting it on social media. Now for the first six months I maintained, I think I I went from 400 followers to 800 followers. That was it. I, there was no big deal for the first six months. And then I got one of my before and after photos got shared on Kayla Itzine, so she ran BBG on her page. And then I got to a thousand followers. And that was in, I think, December, January, January time, 2020, 2020. Sorry, I don't know why I keep saying that. In January, I split up with my partner and that's all fine and I'm not going to talk about that on here because that's private and I probably would love to talk about it but it's not fair on him. Um, he still lived here in my house um, because it was our house at the time I did have to. Uh, we did buy it together so there was a, quite a lot of financial things we had to go through before anybody left and so we lived together and I started researching Instagram, how to build my Instagram. I did a huge amount of, watched a huge amount of videos, tutorials and seminars, they call them. I learned a huge amount and I started taking my Instagram very seriously. And then I gradually gained followers and this was, and after I'd split up as well, I felt more confident posting things that I probably wouldn't have posted if I'd been in that relationship. Now, if somebody's in a relationship with me, they've just got to suck it up and deal with it. Yes, I'm posting half naked pictures of me and deal with it, hun. That is who I am now. Um, whereas before, I also have an OnlyFans, so you know, someone has to deal with that. I only post bikini pics, so I don't panic. Which is fine if you don't, but I'm just saying. So yeah, I post way more sort of confident pictures, and I started, I'd always been writing on my Instagram, my captions had always been long. That was what I was sort of known for. My friends would be like, oh, I love reading your captions. And I sort of, at first I was like, oh, no one reads them. It's so embarrassing. Why'd you do this? But for me, it was really cathartic and it still is. Writing's a huge part of who I am. I've written a few books before. I've got another one on the way, which I said was going to be this year. But guys, I'm going to be realistic with you. It's not going to be this year because I want to focus on my podcast now. <laughs> now this is the now this is the top priority, my number one, you know, fan. And I learned more about Instagram. I'm still learning every day. The algorithm's changing all the time, and so is my so is my follow so my followers, um, and the interest of my followers and the type of followers I have is all changing all the time, which is great, and it's so fun to watch that evolve. So I've gained about a thousand followers every month. That's now going up. I think one thousand two hundred last month, and I'm hoping one and a half thousand this month, which is madness. And so exciting. And hey, why why base your profile on followers, Rebecca? Why are you so focused on followers? Because it gives me an audience to sell to. I'm not going to sugarcoat this. I will eventually want to make money from my online profile. 
and be able to live and work remotely that would be my end goal because I absolutely love doing Instagram guys I love my content creation I love writing I love being honest I love expressing myself I feel like my whole personality is on my Instagram account which I think you can't say for a lot about the profiles so yeah it's my absolute passion and to be able to do that as a job would be a dream so that's why I'm focused on followers hun hun okay before you slate me I have learned a huge amount about myself I've learned a huge amount about what it takes to become confident in who you are. I think becoming single was a big part of that. It wasn't a difficult breakup. We'd been together for four years, almost four years. So it was difficult. The aftermath, I think the memories of both the bad and the good times sort of came back to me and I had a lot of sort of healing work to do. Luckily, (laughs) luckily, I had lockdown to be able to do that in. So yeah, we had we had COVID. How did I literally forget to miss out the entire subject of this year? Like it's capital letters this year. Lockdown, I spent in Cornwall with my parents. Well, actually, I didn't spend it with my parents. I spent it in isolation because I was worried about my parents getting something. And my stepdad was still working. He was a paramedic. So I wanted to stay away from him just in case and it just it just made sense to not get sick even though I'd probably be okay but obviously I have got quite a lot of illnesses which would be a problem and my immune system luckily is it is back up it's probably better than a lot of people's because I take a lot of super herbal natural super duper supplements now too which I've talked about a little bit on my Instagram so yeah lockdown I did a lot of healing work in terms of my relationship and I also started dating somebody else that went very wrong and I got my heart broken pretty badly and I was devastated about it actually and I felt like I had to go through two breakups in one year which I did really and it took a huge amount of crying and a huge amount of sitting there waiting for the pain to go six weeks I was sat there thinking why is this not getting better why does it not feel any better And then one day I woke up and I felt a little bit better. And that is how it works. A little bit better. Baby steps day by day, minute by minute. Heartbreak. I'm, I'm, to be fair, I'm grateful I experienced that because my four year relationship, I think was over a long time before it was over, if that makes sense. Whereas the dating, the guy I dated, I was really hurt by that. And it really, really hit me. And I never, ever thought I was, I didn't even think I was in that deep. I didn't even think I was in as deep as I was. And it it killed, really, really, really killed um, to sort of have that feeling. But I can now relate to anybody when they're like, oh, heartbreak, heartbreak. Because if I hadn't had that, I wouldn't know what real heartbreak is. I really wouldn't. And now I can relate to it. And ironically, ironically, I'm now a little TikTok user. If anybody's a fan of TikTok, I got that actually a year ago when I got, when I started all of this and well, just after I started all this and I sort of posted every now and then, didn't really have a niche, didn't really know what to do. And then I started this year, very, very, very recently, literally a few weeks ago, posting about how I was beginning to feel better after, after my heartbreak. And I went viral overnight and I think 700,000 people have seen that now and it was like super helpful for a lot of people and it made me feel amazing actually to think, gosh, I've helped that many people. And then I started making self-help sort of self, you know, self-love videos on there and they've gone viral too. And I found my niche on TikTok and it's given me a huge motivation, like a huge push to sort of carry on with that. And it makes me think, maybe this is my thing, you know, because I, people look at me and they're like, oh, she's got her shit together. 
Hun, I do not have my shit together. I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm guessing. I'm feeling my way through the dark. As is everybody. Okay, please do not think that I know what I'm doing. I don't. (laughs) Which is why it was really great to find sort of my successful niche on TikTok. Because I feel passionate about that too. And I'm funny with it. And it's really great to bring my personality out. And get liked for my personality. I think that is key. Because, you know, what I've noticed since... I didn't really think any of it, anything about what I looked like during my um, four-year relationship because I was with somebody. I didn't really care what other th- people thought about me. But then I sort of got started getting attention when I was single again. And people base it a, a lot around what you look like. So it's really nice to be able to express my personality so openly on the internet. And I don't feel any fear about that anymore. I don't care who sees it. I don't care what they think. I'm like just myself. And that is so, so nice. And I'd love to inspire people to do that as well. So yeah, that is the slightly long version of what happened over the last 18 months. I probably missed some major things in there, but I am now at the strongest point emotionally. I'm living on my own and I wake up in the morning and I'm like, yes, yes, I'm on my own. And I still, at the minute, I still feel a lack of motivation. I still get anxiety. I still get depressive episodes, binge eating episodes. I am not perfect all the time. I have serious up and downs, but my ups are fantastic and I have found my creativity. I have found who I am and I'd love to be able to express that with you guys about the little lessons I've learned along the way. So that's the story of my my podcast journey that we're about to embark on. Um, I really hope you have enjoyed this episode. I feel like I've got a lot off my chest. This feels like counselling. And I think next time I'm going to talk about healing your relationship with food because it's something I've been really wanting to get off my chest, um, especially over the last few weeks. So yeah, thanks for listening, guys, and we'll catch up soon.